Well, good morning, Journey Church. Um, I've been announced probably more than I ever have been today. So my name's Tony, and I get the pleasure of sharing with you today as we continue on in this sermon series called From This Day Forward. And if you haven't guessed yet, it's about marriage. And uh, Randy preached some pretty good sermons the last couple of weeks. The first one uh, that Randy preached, he talked about first and foremost, and I think this counts whether we're couples, whether you're dating, or whether you're single. First and foremost, if we're together with someone, we need to seek God together. That needs to be our priority. If you're single, you need to seek God first before all things. If you're dating, you definitely need to be seeking God in everything that you do and be together in your journey. Last week, Randy talked about the fact that we're going to fight. We're going to argue when we're couples. That's just natural. We're, we're human beings. Uh, it's going to happen. But he, he said we need to fight fair. And if there's anything that I picked out of that sermon, anything that I kept was the fact that Randy said that we really, in our fighting and our arguing, when that happens, I hope it's not a lot in your lives, but when it happens, we don't need to be fighting to hurt one another. We don't need to be seeking to win. We don't need to be seeking victory. We need to be seeking solutions. And so that was something that stuck with me. I hope that you picked something out of that sermon that convicted you as well. So today I'm going to talk about a fun subject. Literally. I'm going to talk about how we need to have fun as married couples. How God wants us to have fun in our married lives. I've got some experience in this marriage department. I've been uh, married uh, for quite a while. I met my wife 32 years ago. June the 1st of 2021 will be our 30th wedding anniversary. And so I'm not a pro. There's more that, there's folks that have been married longer than us, but that's a long time. Three decades is quite a long time. And, and I'm going to give you a shocker. We've had some ups and downs in those 30 years. We've had, we've had a few of those. I, I, I just, you know, I've got to be honest with you. But, but also being honest with you, I think those first several years of our marriage, I think, that, uh, I think that we had a lot of fun during those first years. But I tell you, it's gotten progressively more difficult over the years because life just gets in the way. I mean, busyness uh, just happens. But I'll tell you, I also will tell you this. I think we've made great strides in the past few years about injecting fun into our marriage. And what we've learned along the way is it takes a lot of intentionality. We have to be intentional about making sure that we are having fun in our marriage. I know that sounds backwards, but it's true. We have to make sure that we stop and have fun with each other. So today that's what we're going to talk about, about how important it is to inject joy into your marriage and enjoy your spouse. You know, early on, I told you it was, it was, it was easier for me to bring joy to my wife, Chris. Uh, it really was. Early on, I found it to be a lot easier. See, I used to be a pretty good gift giver. You know, I, I really, I think I did a good job. And it started from the very beginning. When I first dated Chris, the first date, I gave her a single rose. The second date, I gave her two roses. The third date, I gave her three. And all the way up to 12, and after 12, well, that got a little too expensive, so I had to back off. And I didn't think daisies would be a good substitute, so I found, I'm sure I found other ways. But I gave her those progressive roses when we first started dating. And I came up with some pretty good Christmas gift ideas. I know when we were younger, I think Jacob was a toddler, Chris had always told me about her favorite Christmas gift. 
And her favorite Christmas gift was a Miss Beasley doll. And uh, I'm going to date myself. We'll date ourselves quite a bit here. Miss Beasley was a doll that a character in a, the, the, in a sitcom back, I guess, in the 70s called Family Affair. I think the girl's name was Buffy. I'm not really sure, but she carried Miss Beasley around. So Chris got a Miss Beasley doll when she was a young girl. And she carried around. She loved Miss Beasley, and she talks about it even to this day. And so, you know, as we grow and we have those childhood favorite toys, you know, we tend to grow away from them a little bit. And Chris told me a story that she left Miss Beasley out one night and it rained. And when you pull the cord, Miss Beasley wouldn't talk anymore. And so I think she kind of lost her luster and Chris grew out of it. But it's a memory that she has uh, never forgotten. We actually found, I think someone found her old Miss Beasley doll at her parents' house just recently, but she was way too far gone to be destroyed and didn't look like something you'd want to cuddle anymore. So they, they tossed Miss Beasley. But one year for Christmas, I thought, I'm going to get her a Miss Beasley doll. Now the problem is, they were out of production. They'd been out of production for about 25 years. And back when I was looking for this, there was no Amazon. There was eBay, and it was fairly new. And so I went out and searched for a Miss Beasley doll. And if I found one of the originals, it was usually in pretty shabby shape. But if I found one that was in good shape, it was way too expensive. And so, but I got lucky. I found a reproduction. I found a company that made reproductions. They had taken the original molds, and they, had, they were selling the Miss Beasley doll. And so I took a chance, and I ordered it because I thought, this is going to be probably just a really cheap knockoff. But when I got it, to my surprise, based on what I could tell, this thing was spot on. I mean, this, this Miss Beasley doll was it. It was, it was the real thing. And so I wrapped it really nice, and on that Christmas morning, I made my wife cry. So I had to top that next year, and so I didn't know what to do. So my wheels were spinning, and uh, my wife's grandfather, Herb, doted over her. I mean, she was the middle daughter, I guess, and so she would, he would get her gifts from time to time, and he got her, when she was a teenager, this little opal ring. And it had a couple little dye mills around the set, and she loved that ring, wore it in high school, and she said one cold morning, though, the set broke, and she lost the opal out of it. And so she put the ring away in her jewelry box. It was kind of a, she kept it as a memento. So I got this idea that I would sneak it out of her jewelry box, and I would go get a new set put in it. And, you know, that was easier said than done, because not a lot of jewelers wanted to fool with this little ring. It wasn't a very expensive ring. But finally, I found one that did. Based on her description, I had an opal, an opal cut and had it put in the set. I stuck it in the jewelry box. I wrapped it. And on that Christmas morning, I, w I made my wife cry. And so the next year, I don't know if I was tired. I don't know if I was just fresh out of ideas. But the next year, I got her a bathrobe. Yeah. And I, did, I had low expectations about her reaction for this bathrobe. But when she opened that bathrobe, I'll never forget, she held that robe up and she cried. And then I thought, wait a minute. Now I've busted my hump for two years and I've got these thoughtful gifts and she's going to cry over a bathrobe? And then I realized she's probably crying because I got her a bathrobe. And so she, to this day, she really won't tell me why that that made her cry. But I've got some advice for you younger guys out there in your gift-giving prowess. 
Pace yourself, dudes. I mean, do this like every other year or something. I am out of it. I am out of ideas. After 30 years, I just don't know what else to do. And so pray for me in that respect. And so as as married couples, we need to go through the hard work of making sure that we're having fun together, that we're bringing joy to one another. And I'd be lying if I said we didn't struggle. Our biggest obstacle, as I've stated before, is being too busy. It's thinking we're just too busy to have fun. But our lifestyle has shifted in the past few years. It has. See, we decided uh, four years ago to leave the neighborhood where we raised our son for 20 years and to move out into the country and so it was a lot of fun doing that we we were looking for land and I'd have to say we had a ball doing it it was almost like a a game because I don't know if you know about real estate in Woodford County but we couldn't get to a piece of land quick enough to buy it people were were they'd already had three or four offers on the land and so we would find something it was like we would make a mad dash and more than, off, more than not, we couldn't get the land. It, just, they, it was already sold. But we came upon two options. One was in Nunsuch, and one was on um, 33 near Troy. And uh, we went and looked at them, and we decided Nunsuch was too far for my wife to, to travel. We decided on the land. Luckily, it wasn't sold, and we put an offer down, and we got the land. And so then the real fun began. We, started to, we sat at the kitchen table and we designed our dream home. Now, our dream home 15 years ago was a lot different than our dream home four years ago. See, our dream home 15 years ago was probably 4,500 square feet. I wanted a five-car garage, and, you know, that, and it was in a gated community maybe, something like that. I don't know. That would have been our dream home, but our dream home now is a 1,600-square-foot farmhouse on seven acres. And so we had a blast designing our house, thinking about what we didn't like about our current house, what we, what we wanted, and uh, so we, we started building it. Then we sold our house really quick, and we lived in a camper for four months. And I'm not lying to you, it was fun. It was an adventure. We had a lot of fun. Uh, and you know, sometimes building a house causes marital problems. Sometimes it causes arguments. But I don't know, I don't remember a whole lot of that when we were building our home. We had fun together doing it. And that experience, to me, has underscored the importance of enjoying each other, about how important it is for us to take time about enjoying each other. And now, three years later, after all of that, I think it's important that we work so that we don't get out of that routine of enjoying our lives together. And you know, you can't sit up here and preach about anything without COVID-19 being a part of that. You know, I don't know how you guys have, have went through this, how you've weathered the storm. I know some couples that have spent way too much time with each other during the lockdown. You know, you do have to have some space sometimes. But I know other people, it's created some distance. And so this has affected our ability to have fun in a big way. It really has. And so I can't sit up here and talk about that without mentioning that. So there's a lot of people that have struggled through this whole process. So our verse for today as we talk about having fun together is this. It can be found in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. It says, Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that have been given to you under the sun because this is your portion in life. Now did you get that? 
what God is saying is we're supposed to enjoy each other in our marriage. We're supposed to enjoy our spouses. God's reminding us not to forget to have fun with our spouses. And I think it's interesting that God needs to remind us to enjoy each other. And you know, that's a, that's a timeless statement. It's not just applicable to those folks that, uh, you know, several thousand years ago when, this was, when, this, when God had made this statement in the Bible. What he was saying is, don't get caught up in your jobs, in your daily toils. Don't get so caught up in it that you don't enjoy each other. Because if you do that, if, we, if we're allowing that to happen, then we're actually living our lives in vain. And so God is saying we need to enjoy each other. So how do we enjoy each other in a way that pleases God? And so I've just got, I'm a practical kind of guy, so I've got 10 practical things that I kind of thought of that I think we can do to ensure that we're having fun in our marriage. The first thing that you have to be, the very first thing that you have to be in your marriage is there. You have to be there. You know, I know I have some friends that live distant lives from their wives. I mean, they're living under the same roof, but they have different interests, and they're, they're just emotionally detached from their wives. I'm sure there are women that are the same way. You know, having different interests. You know, I, I know a couple of people that they basically separate on the weekends. They go and do each other's things, and they're not together at all in their lives having different interests, doing whatever that might be. And folks, there's another bad sign. And I know we've preached on this before, but it's, it's worth mentioning again. Keeping separate checkbooks. Separating your finances as a couple. Folks, I believe that's a mistake. I tried to counsel a couple once. They came to me, they couldn't figure out why they couldn't get along. And so I just decided I'm just going to listen as they kind of debate and as they kind of argue. And it turned out that they had separate accounts and they were resentful to each other over it. The husband thought that she made more money and had less expenses. And the wife didn't like the decisions he had made before the marriage and didn't think she should have to pony up for those. And so that was their argument. They wouldn't even let each other look at each other's check registers. They didn't know how much money the other one had. And, and I told them right away, I, I got bold. I said, I got nothing to lose here. I said, combine your checking accounts. Combine your assets. Accept each other's liabilities. This is the only way you're going to get past this. And they looked at me in stunned silence. And they thought I had snakes crawling out of my ears. They couldn't fathom that. And so they left my council that night. They didn't want to hear anything else I had to say. Now, let me put it this way. I, I don't know exactly where they are. I, I'm thinking they're probably still together. I hope that they're doing fine. I hope that they've worked out all of these things. But folks, they were living separate lives under the same roof. And what it did is it bred distrust and jealousy. And it was tearing them apart. So, so don't separate your finances. Maybe you're out there. Maybe you do that. Maybe it's working for you. If, if it is, I'm sure that it's caused problems in the past. I'm sure that it might cause problems in the future. I don't recommend that you keep separate finances. Some people have jobs that keep them from enjoying their spouse. Some people do. I lived this. My wife and I lived this for three terrible years. 
See, I took a job back in the 90s that was making a whole, doubled my salary if I remember correctly. It was a lot of money. And I thought that would solve all of our problems. But I was working regionally, which meant that I was out of town a lot. I was flying to probably two, sometimes three different cities, two days to four days a week. And my, my wife, who worked full-time with our toddler, was left to fend for herself during all that time. And I knew I had to get out of that trap. It wasn't worth it. And so within three years, I took a job where I could be closer to home. And had I not, been, and had I not done that, had I not realized that reality, I might not be standing up here doing what I'm doing. And this lady in the front right here might not be my wife right now. I want to tell you guys and gals, there is no job that is more important primarily than God and your family. And I will tell you this, you are not indentured servants to your boss or your company. You're not. You can choose a job that will allow you to be with your family. Trust me on that. I've lived it. The next thing we need to do, we need to laugh together. I think I do pretty well with this. I love to laugh. My, my dad was a laugher, and I think I got that. My son loves to laugh. I think we've inherited that. And so my wife and I, we like to watch funny shows together. Now, you've got to be careful today because there's a lot of shows out there. there there's, the culture has basically equated uh, humor with vulgarity, and it's just not necessary. And, and it's, it's hard when you look at mainstream TV. It's hard to find something where they're not dropping F-bombs or things aren't insinuated, but they're out there. Watch funny shows together. We, we, we've started watching like sitcoms from the 80s that were pretty benign. And so we like to laugh with each other. I laugh at anything on TV. And I think Chris laughs at me laughing. I'm not sure she laughs at the show. She laughs at me. And she tells me that I've got a pretty messed up sense of humor. And she's probably right. But after 30 years, I can still make her laugh. And so we need to laugh together. We need to do that. And we need to play a game together every now and then. And that's, that's an art that we've kind of fallen away from. Early on in our lives, we used to love to play games. I kind of think that, I've got a theory that it's after having a son, after raising a toddler, there are just so many games of hi-ho, cheerio, and shoots and ladders you can play before you get tired of board games. He wore us out. I think hi-ho, cheerio was his favorite one. And so maybe that's where it started slipping apart. You know, we used to play Yahtzee. Just about every week, we would sit down and play a game of Yahtzee. And, uh, you know, I used to, we, we played hearts and canasta with my sister and my brother-in-law. We had hours of fun doing that. Now, I love to play backgammon. That was a game I, I learned in high school. I love it. I can't play that with Chris because she says I'm too brutal. You know, if you, if you know the game, you have to get your pieces around the board. Your opponent gets their pieces around the board. If they land on your stripe, you put them on the center bar, and they can't move until they get their piece off the center bar. Well, was my goal was to put Chris, Chris in the center bar. And she thought that was mean. And she wouldn't do that to me because she said she thought that was rude. And so I play to win, and so she doesn't like backgammon. So, but uh, maybe we'll just go back to playing Yahtzee. But play a game together. Do something physical together. I know people, couples that play golf together, really enjoy their time together. 
I know uh, I was coming out of Cali's one day, and if, I don't know if you know what the, the car, it's called a slingshot is. It's like a three-wheel car. It's called a car cycle. It's a cross between a motorcycle and a car. Well, apparently there's like whole clubs where couples go on weekend rides in their slingshots. It sounded like fun to me. Chris isn't into that, but it sounded like fun to me. People ride motorcycles together. Some couples have their own motorcycles. Some ride on a, on a single motorcycle together, but it's a hobby they enjoy together. The garden is something that's been new for us. It kind of started out as just me. I was the only one interested in growing the garden, but this year Chris has kind of followed me into the field, and she's, we've been watering together, we've been weeding the garden, we've, we've finished, I think, harvesting all of the garden. It's been really fun this year to do that with my wife. And I tell you what, I have got the best memories that I can recall in a while this year as we took our buckets and buckets of green beans and we sat on the back porch in the evening for about two and a half, three hours and broke beans together. We watched the moon come up over the trees. It's hard to fight when you're enjoying God's creation like that. You know, we like to camp, I told you, and that's kind of our plan as we slip closer to our retirement years. We've got a small camper that we like to pull around and enjoy the outdoors. We like to go kayaking. That's new. We haven't done a whole lot of it, and may, that may stick or not. I don't know. Uh, I love model airplanes, and I, when I go to these flying, sometimes I see couples that are there together in their retirement, and they're enjoying each other's company and enjoying each other's fellowship. And so there's numerous ways. You've got your things. Find things to do together. Do something physical together. Hiking, whatever it is, I don't know, but just make sure you're doing that. It's so important. Now, I want to I issue a warning right here. I think this is necessary. Be careful that your hobbies don't become your religion. You know, I've known people that get a boat or a, a lake house and I never see them again. Be careful that these hobbies don't take over your life. That these hobbies don't destroy your spiritual growth. That these hobbies don't keep you from being a part of God's family on a regular basis. So don't let them become your religion. The next thing, pray together. Pray together. Chris and I, when we were first dating, we lived in separate towns. I was working in Lexington one night in the summer. We were working on a really important project, and we were working until 9, 10 o'clock every night. And I remember, I knew Chris was on vacation. She was down in Florida. And I remember sitting on the board. I was drafting. I was drawing. And um, thinking, boy, I'd love to hear her voice. And you know, it wasn't long after I had that thought that the office phone rang, and it was Chris. Now, I didn't get to talk to her very long, but I was sure glad that I got to hear her voice that night, that lonely night in the office. And you know, I think that's how God feels about us. I think God longs to hear our voice. I think we bless God when we call on Him. The Bible says we can bless God. And so when we're talking to Him, I think that's what He desires. I think that's a blessing to Him. It brings Him joy. Praying God as a couple solves a lot of problems. And it's a lot of fun. God intercedes when we ask Him to. I know that. I've lived that out. It's hard to be upset with one another when you're praying to God together. 
Just like it was fun for me to talk to my future wife back then, it's a blast to talk to God. It's fun when you do that as a couple. So pray as a couple. The next one is be intimate with each other. And I'm going to try to be G-rated here as best I can. But God says we need to enjoy our physical lives together. Paul said the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. Now folks, Paul's not talking about the guy taking out the garbage and the woman cooking dinner. Paul is saying that we need to enjoy each other physically. We need to, we need to fulfill each other's physical and sexual needs. That's what Paul is saying here. Now it kind of makes it sound like work, but, but it's not. What Paul is saying is that we need to make sure that we're enjoying each other physically. So be intimate with one another. Don't let that go away as we get older. The next thing is go on a date night. Now I'm going to say I think the younger crowd, I think they got this one pretty well. Especially people that have you know, grandparents around and all that good stuff. I see a lot of people going on date nights. Younger folks, I really do. But you know, as far as us... The definition of date night has changed quite a bit. See, take out Chinese on the back porch sounds like a good date night for me. And, and probably it does for Chris. But honestly, we do need to work on making sure we're going out to dinner, we're getting away from all the distractions, and we're just enjoying one another. Dinner out in a restaurant, a quiet dinner, is therapeutic. And we need to do that. Maybe a movie, we're not big movie people, whatever it is, we need to get out and go on a date night. It's something that I think we've kind of missed quite a bit since this past spring. You know, when we were shut down and there were no restaurants open, I, I didn't realize how much I missed that. And so take advantage of it uh, while you can. Make sure you carve out time for it. You know, if you don't put it on a calendar, if you don't have a plan for it, I can guarantee it's not going to happen. Something always is going to get in the way. And to expand on that, we need to get away for a bit every now and then. Now, I'm not talking about family vacations, because as a whole, as a society, I think we, we've got that covered. Most families never miss a vacation. I'm looking at a little bit thinner crowd today because fall break is next week. So families do a good job doing that. Now, I'm not talking about the family vacation. I'm talking about just the two of you. Just the two of you getting away for an overnight trip, maybe a weekend. It's so important. My wife and I, we used to go to Cincinnati a lot when we were younger. We'd just go and stay in a hotel downtown. We'd walk to dinner. You know, nothing fancy, not much at all, but it was just a way for us to kind of change the scenery for a little bit and just focus and enjoy each other. Now, we don't do that as often, but now we have a camper. We've replaced the city with the woods. And so we may go out. I wish we did it more. We haven't been able to do it a lot this year, but we go out and spend a week, maybe four days, maybe just a weekend out in the woods enjoying each other just for a little bit of extended time. That's been a little farther and fewer between for us. Honestly, it has, even though we're empty nesters, even though we don't have a kid. So I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me as well. So I know that we've got to do better about that. Here, here's a simple little thing. Handwritten notes. Leave each other a note every now and then. You know, that's a lost art in our society. You know, the text, the email, that's taken 
the place of a handwritten note. But I'm going to tell you this from my own experience. People still are touched when you take time to write a handwritten note. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's nice. It doesn't matter what you say. People appreciate that gesture. And it's a simple thing to do. My wife and I leave notes. It's something that we're good at. We really don't usually fail to do that, especially if we're away from each other for an extended amount of time. And we, we leave each other, most of the time it's the same note. And it's this. I've got it up on the screen, hopefully. There it is. Now, I'm not going to tell you what that means. It's probably not hard for you to figure it out. But that's typically the note we leave for each other. When I travel, I usually find a note like this in my, in my shaving kit or in my bag. When I leave, I usually leave that note on my wife's pillow with one of my t-shirts. Now, that's a different story. My wife, one, one trip I came back and my favorite t-shirt was in the laundry and I didn't remember wearing it. And I said, What's, did I wear that? And she said, no, I've been wearing it since you were gone. She said she likes to wear one of my t-shirts because my smell and the feel of the t-shirt makes her not miss me so much. And so whenever we leave, whenever I go, I leave one of my t-shirts, a clean one, on her pillow with the note. And it's, most of the time it's that same note. And you know what? It doesn't cost me anything to do that. It doesn't even take a whole lot of effort. But it means the world to her. And it means the world to me that it means the world to her. And her notes are important for me. I've got the last note that she gave me still on my nightstand. I hang on to them for a little while. And so leave each other a note. Just let each other know in a really practical way that you care about them and you're going to miss them while they're gone. Or just for no reason at all. Again, it's the cheapest thing you can do, but it's the most meaningful thing that you can do. The last thing, and I left the best for the last. If we really want to have fun as a couple, we need to disciple together. We need to disciple together. Our, our, our motivation here at Journey Church is to love God, love people. Uh, that's our vision. And to dis make disciples that make disciples. And so if you want to really have fun as a couple, do God's will together. Disciple together. You know, it scares the daylights out of a lot of people to think about sharing their faith. I don't know why that is. It do, I'm not, and it does me too. It scares people to think that they've got to invest time with folks. And, and it's an obstacle for us. It keeps us from wanting to do these things. But folks, it shouldn't be that scary. God calls all Christians to share your faith and to pour yourselves into other people's lives. You know, we've got a neighbor, and I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but we've been paying special attention to him this year because back in the spring, his wife passed away. I actually eulogized her in February. And you know, that couple, if I could learn anything from them, they were always together. I mean always. The only, the only place I know that he didn't go with her was on Wednesdays when she get, went to get her hair done. Other than that, they were together. And so he lost her. He's been a little lost since then. I know that he hasn't come to Christ just as yet. But Chris and I decided we're going to try to just spend some time with him. They used to sit out on the porch and watch the sunset together nearly every night. And some nights, we didn't do it every night, we would go and sit with him. We didn't want to interrupt him too much. But he told me not too long ago, he said, I just can't sit out there. 
anymore. And so we invited him over just slowly to come over and sit on our back porch with us. And he's done that several times this summer. We share our food together. You know, I've told him, my, what's in my garden is yours. He, he comes across the backyard, picks what he wants. And so we've developed a friendship, a relationship with him. I would call it a relationship of love and integrity. You know, we didn't start out this process saying, we're going to disciple him. We didn't. We just said we're going to befriend him. And see, what ha- what's happened naturally is that hard ground has been cultivated. The soil has been loosened so that the gospel can be planted and it can grow in his heart. That's disciple making. It's not a program. It's not some A to Z plan. It's just imparting your life into other people. Sharing in our efforts As couples, I'm going to tell you this from experience. When we share in that disciple-making effort as a couple, the fruit, when we start to experience it, is a whole lot sweeter. So disciple together as couples. One thing we always do together as a church body is we celebrate the Last Supper. Every week we do this. It's so important. The Bible says that when we come together, that we should share this meal. And so, you know, I was thinking this morning as we were meeting, we have a a pre-service meeting to get everybody that's involved in the service together just to coordinate and make sure everything is going well. Yeah, you can can pull these out. If you don't have one, would you raise your hand? I know a deacon's in the back. He'd be glad to give you one. If you're at home, please prepare in your own way. But when I met this morning, I was meeting with the folks and we went through the service and the tradition for them, because some of them don't get to sit in the audience uh, during the service, the tradition is that they enjoy communion together as that group. I never take communion with them. And it's not because I don't want to with them, but it's because I don't want to miss doing that with my wife sitting here in the front row. And so as couples... You know, we need to enjoy this meal together, in addition to the fact that we do this as a community of believers. And so it's a special time when we can remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. When we can reflect on our lives. And so let's do that together uh, in just a moment. I'm going to pray for us, and then let's take these emblems.